There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. You never know what single event will bring down a house of cards. What domino will bring down the entire trial and what small event changed the course of a criminal investigation. On December 4th, 1979, a young man was arrested for his connection to a fire in a family home. A man who, once in custody, admitted to a series of arsons that, as far as police knew, were just terrible accidents. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Bruce George Peter Lee, born Bruce George Dinsdale on July 31st, 1979, grew up in Manchester with a mother who was a sex worker and had to place her son in a number of children's homes growing up. Peter, from a young age, began suffering from epilepsy and congenital spastic hemiplegia in his right limbs that left him limp and favoring his arm close to his chest. Referred to locally as, quote, Daft Peter, Peter's mother remarried in 1979 and, with his stepfather's surname of Lee, he changed his name to Bruce as an homage to the famed martial artist. While those who came into contact with Bruce always thought him odd, no one had any idea that the handicapped young man was an accomplished pyromaniac whose first fire caused $30,000 in damage and who took his first human life when he was just 13 years old. A man who was later referred to as one of Britain's most prolific serial killers. On December 4th, 1979, a fire broke out at a home on Selby Street in Hull. Inside were Edith Hasty and her sons, Thomas and Charles, both 15, Paul, 12, and Peter, 8. Fast asleep, the family had no idea that a fire was crawling through their home until it was almost on top of them. Charles was able to bravely rescue his mother by pushing her out of the upstairs window, but much to his horror, he was unable to help his young brothers, Paul and Peter. When he opened the window to try and escape, the rush of air ended up feeding the fire. All three became trapped inside of the room and, though remarkably making it out of the home, suffered from severe wounds that ended up overtaking Charles within a few hours and Peter just two days after the fire. Paul would survive for 12 days before meeting the same fate as his brothers. Thomas, who had muscular dystrophy, managed to escape through a window and survived along with his mother and three sisters who happened to be at a sleepover the night of the fire. Now, police pretty early on in the investigation realized that this was the work of an arsonist. The presence of paraffin on the floor of the porch was the real indicator. So they set up a makeshift incident room in a former police station and began talking to any and all of the locals who were aware of the strange fire. They were shocked at the level of indifference towards the boy's death. And during the joint funeral held in January of 1980, Edith Hasty began screaming at the crowd who gathered over their lack of sympathy for her sons. According to the witnesses, the Hasties were a, quote, problem family who were responsible for a series of petty crimes and vendettas all around the area. In fact, one of the reasons Mr. Hasty survived the fires was that he was in prison at the time of the murder. Realizing that this may be a motive, police dug a little bit deeper to find out just who would want the family dead. 
So they kept questioning people. And one of the teenagers who volunteered to come in and speak with police was a young man named Bruce Lee. Six months after the inquiry began, Bruce told the police in great detail how he poured paraffin through the letterbox at the home on Selby Street and set the fire to try and get revenge against Charles Hasty, who, after a sexual relationship with Bruce, threatened to go to police if Bruce didn't pay him. Charles was a minor and Bruce knew how much trouble that would cause him and vowed to take care of his blackmailer and his sister who rejected him in the only way he knew how. Fire. During his confession, Bruce claimed he, quote, didn't mean to kill them. Now, before the police could finish writing down this confession, Bruce continued and opened up a whole new investigation that police had no idea they needed to look into. The confession continued and Bruce confessed to not only the Selby Street fire, but a total of nine different acts of arson that, up until this point, police thought were just terrible accidents. The first occurred on June 23, 1973, when six-year-old Richard Ellerington, a classmate at the same special needs school Bruce was attending, found himself trapped in the front bedroom of his home during a house fire. His parents, siblings, and two guests were able to escape before they realized that Richard was not with them. By the time they realized, it was too late to try and save him. When authorities arrived, they assumed the fire was ignited from a leak in their gas oven. That same year came the death of 72-year-old Bernard Smythe, a reclusive bachelor who died when paraffin ignited the lounge of his home and trapped him inside of the room. Though firefighters noted the paraffin on the floor, they chalked it up to the two paraffin heaters that Bernard left nearby, assuming that one had simply turned over. Fifteen days later, on October 27, 1973, 34-year-old David Brewer, another bachelor who was partially incapacitated by a work accident, died after falling asleep in the apartment he shared with his mother and waking up on fire. He was doused down by wet towels, but his injuries were far too severe. He died eight days later, having never regained his ability to speak about the incident. Nothing else in the room besides the settee he was sleeping on and the floor directly under it was ignited by the flame. Though it was originally suspected that the clothing set out to dry by the fire had caused his death, Bruce would claim that he and the son of the lady who lived in the next apartment were friends and snuck inside to set David Brewer on fire after the man struck him during an argument about the pigeons that he kept. On December 23, 1974, 82-year-old widow Elizabeth Roker died when a fire engulfed the living room where she had been sleeping. Although everyone who knew her claimed she was always careful, authorities chalked up the fire to a rogue bedtime cigarette. On June 3, 1976, Dorothy Stevenson was babysitting her great-grandchildren when she placed the youngest boy, one-year-old Andrew Edwards, in his bedroom upstairs to sleep for the evening. Soon thereafter, a fire broke out in the cupboard where the two older great-grandchildren were playing, and in a hurry, she scooped them up and took them to the neighbor's house to wait for the fire brigade. As she stood there waiting, she remembered, to her horror, that she had placed the baby upstairs just before the fire. By the time she made her realization, the fire was too out of control for her to re-enter. She would later be so traumatized by the event and her error that she had to be committed to a mental hospital. When the report was filed, officials blamed the fire on one of the children, assuming that they were playing with matches and accidentally dropped one. 
On January 2nd, 1977, a fire broke out in the living room of a home where six-month-old Katrina Thacker had been sleeping in her crib. Bruce claimed he knew the family through an interest in pigeons, but had recently had a falling out with the family over his habit of walking into the house without any warning. Three days later, a fire broke out in the Winsley Lodge, a residential home for elderly men, and the care assistant was able to call the fire brigade in time for them to escort the sole resident out of the room where the fire began. But the fire continued to spread and make its way to the second floor, trapping residents as it went. Those who perished were 95-year-old Harold Akester, 83-year-old Victor Consent, 83-year-old Benjamin Phillips, 82-year-old Arthur Elwood, 82-year-old William Holt, 80-year-old William Carter, 77-year-old Percy Sanders, 75-year-old John Ribby, 73-year-old William Beals, 73-year-old Leonard Dennett, and 65-year-old Arthur Hardy. The fire was blamed on a plumber who used a blowtorch earlier in the day, and though no blame was placed on him legally, the man vehemently denied any errors were made. On April 27, 1977, a fire broke out in the home of the Gold family. A friend of the family, Peter Jordan, was fast asleep when he woke up to see a fire in the lodge of this home. He then ran upstairs to warn the others before returning downstairs to escape through the front door. That's when the man of the home, Albert, woke his wife, their two daughters, and Peter's two sons, and tried to rush them all towards a window to escape. Two of the children were helped out, but there was no sign of the others. What they didn't know was that Mark Jordan, the seven-year-old son of their guest, had gone back to try and help 13-year-old Deborah Hooper, a girl who was mentally handicapped, and the pair were overcome by the smoke billowing inside of the home. An inquest placed the blame on the man sleeping in the lodge, assuming it was another case of a rogue cigarette. Mark was later given a posthumous award for bravery. On January 6, 1978, a fire took the lives of Christine Dixon, 24, and three of her four sons, five-year-old Mark, four-year-old Stephen, and 16-month-old Michael. She had been trapped inside of the house trying to run back to save her children after handing her baby to a neighbor. She, too, was given a posthumous award for bravery. Her husband was able to escape through an open window. An inquest into the fire came to the conclusion that one of the boys must have found matches and lit the fire themselves. On June 21st, 1979, Bruce Lee set fire to a marionette causing grievous bodily harm to 27-year-old Rosabelle Fenton and her daughter, Samantha. The burns were so severe that it caused Rosabelle to miscarry her baby. Next to lose their lives to the dangerous young man was the Hasty family. In total, Bruce Lee, at the end of his confession, boasted a victim list of 26, as well as a number of fires to abandoned buildings all over East Yorkshire. Men, women, children, and even babies were on his list, and the number of injured made him even more prolific. When asked for a motive, Bruce regaled the police with his love of fire, admitting that only two fires occurred in the homes of people he actually knew. Police then took Bruce for a ride around the city where he specified and pointed out each of the fires he was responsible for. In an effort to test his confession, police took him to a home where a high-profile and solved arson took place to see if he confessed. He said he had never been in the area and police realized, much to their horror, that his confessions were likely truthful. 
He was arrested and charged with each of the 11 incidents he confessed to. On January 20th, 1981, Bruce Lee pleaded not guilty to the 26 counts of murder, but guilty to 26 counts of manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility, as well as 11 counts of arson. He claimed he never intended on killing anyone, just wanted to set fires and apologize to the families of his victims. 11 of the convictions against him, the ones related to the Wensley Lodge deaths, were later overturned on appeal. But for the others, Bruce was sentenced to life imprisonment in 1981. Though numbers-wise, Bruce is considered one of the most prolific serial killers in the UK, the trial of Peter Sutcliffe, which was happening around the same time, eclipsed the publicity in this case and left him relatively unknown to people living outside of the area affected. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on December 5th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.